0: strong faith will build community and will build community in the church and we will send people out out of strength even with physical distance we will build community thank you for downloading our podcast make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week and don't forget to check out first united methodist sweetwater's website and social media now here is pastor ryan strebeck Well, welcome again to Worship From Home. We are here at First United Methodist Church in Sweetwater, Texas. And whether you're joining us from Sweetwater or you are joining us from somewhere else around the world, uh, we want you to know that we're glad that you did. And we're glad that you're here. We hope that this worship experience, that the prayers and the scripture reading and the songs and the creeds that we say together, Are an edifying experience for you and your family. We hope that it's brought you joy and we hope that it's bringing you uh, into the presence of Christ in a way that you know uh, his love for you and his vigilant care for you and your family during this time. You know we as human beings we we crave familiarity. We crave uh, to, to be known and things to be repeated over and over again. And especially in this time where we are distant from one another in physical ways, we begin to, I think, long for those familiar pieces of our lives. We might think about a holiday meal or a Thanksgiving dinner, where it's just not really Thanksgiving until that aunt or that uncle does so-and-so. We might think about a baseball game in the summertime where you don't really feel like you've been to the ballpark until you've had sunflower seeds until they've played on the loudspeaker, take me out to the ball game. We crave familiarity. You know, when we get back together and, and begin working back to our normal rhythms uh, at the end of some of this social distancing, I think we're going to be looking for familiar faces. We're going to be looking to recognize one another. And for some of us, you're going to have to look a little harder and say, uh, okay, I'm trying to think that is Ryan, but he hasn't had a haircut in a couple of months. Or we're looking and saying, uh, that looks like a quarantine 15 that's been added on to some of us. So we're going to be looking for familiarity to recognize one another. And you know, the disciples in this story that Gaynell read for us in John 20, they are looking for a familiar Jesus. Jesus has been gone from them, from their sight for just a couple of days, but they are Shut up in a room. They're locked indoors for fear of the persecution possibilities outside the doors. And the scriptures tell us, John tells us a couple of times that they're behind closed doors. They're locked in. And it really resonates with us at this time when we are in so many ways. We're sheltered in together. We're locked in together and we're having to keep distance. And because of fear of legitimate things, not fears that are unfounded or unwarranted but real fears about real possibilities. So the disciples were sheltered in place in that way and Jesus in his goodness and in his resurrected body visits them. And that's the heart of this story is Jesus coming back and visiting with his friends with his disciples and he brings in some familiar themes. He brings in some familiar words, and he reminds them of what they've been talking about all along. That's what good teachers do. That's what good leaders do. They, they bring back the everyday truths, the most common, core, important things, and they bring them back in different ways and shed different light on them. So Jesus, uh, as he has done throughout John's telling of the gospel story, he talks to them about peace. And he talks to them about forgiveness and he talks to them about belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the first thing that happens is Jesus stands in their presence. He stands, even though they're locked behind closed doors, he stands among them and he says to them, peace be with you. Or in West Texas, we would say peace be with y'all, all all of y'all. And he's extending a word of peace, a greeting. It's one of the most beautiful greetings we have in the Christian tradition. We say, the peace of Christ be with you. And so Jesus says, peace be with you. And peace is something that he's talked about. And he says this three times in this gospel story here. And peace is something that Jesus has talked about through the entire story in John's gospel. We can look back uh, to chapter 14. We can look at chapter 16, where Jesus says, things are about to get really difficult for me, and when you carry the torch after I'm gone, things are going to get difficult for you. But I have said these things to you so that you will have peace. Uh, He says that uh, even though in this world, you will certainly have trouble. He says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. I've overcome the things that you're afraid of, so be at peace. As you go out in my name and as you accomplish the mission that I've called you to. It's Jesus' way of saying, hey, it's me, guys. It's me. Peace be with you. This is the same message that I've been saying all along. In order to to communicate that well, uh, Jesus actually shows his physical body. He shows them the wounds in his hands. He shows them the wound in his side and he says, This is me. I'm the same one who was crucified on Friday. And this is my resurrected body. And God has raised me from the dead. And I am here bringing life to you. And I'm reminding you that this news that I'm reminding you of is your news to share with the world. And so he sends them out. Because Jesus, when he sends them out again... You know, he breathes on them and and in sin says, receive the Holy Spirit and go. Right? They, are, they are sent out. He sends them out, they know, to suffer. Uh, Jesus, God loved Jesus and he sent Jesus and that mission included suffering. And when we serve and when we go and we're sent in Jesus' name, suffering will accompany that work. When we go about our everyday lives in the, in the world, in Jesus' name, in the way that Jesus did, we will see suffering. Now, that doesn't mean that we should look and at everything as a one to one ratio and make math equations out of everything and say, gosh, my life's getting really hard. Uh, I must just be suffering for Jesus. You know, things are tough over here and they're tough over here. And golly, that's just because I love Jesus so much or I'm so close to the Lord or whatever. Um, but it does mean that as we go through life and as we love, if we love people like Jesus loved and if we uh, hold to the things that Jesus held to, if we value the things that Jesus valued, that there there will be suffering directly because of that, there will be suffering because we held that way of being in the world. And so uh, <clears throat> you know when I think about times that I'm not at peace, when I think about uh, times where I'm not able to hear that message clear and I don't feel at peace, because peace is is it doesn't you know it, it doesn't matter what our circumstances are. Peace transcends. Our life circumstances. Paul even said, you know, that the he, he prayed that, that we would have the peace of Christ that surpasses understanding. There's a level of peace that we uh, attain that when Christ is with us that we really can't explain. We say, gosh, you know, there's all kinds of turmoil in my life. The circumstances are tough. I don't know how to describe it, but I have a peace. And that gives us hope. And we think about people who are whose lives circumstantially are just in major turmoil right now uh, where they're having to go to work in difficult places. They're having to work through things at home that they haven't had to work through in a while. And and we're facing things that we haven't faced. And we may yet find a peace that surpasses our understanding when we realize that Jesus has drawn near to us and he's invited him. uh, He's invited us to draw near to him. But when I when I don't sense that kind of peace, very often I can look really quickly and see that it's related to a lack of forgiveness in my life. Uh, I can look and say, gosh, you know, I, I have been carrying this sin and this guilt around and I haven't experienced forgiveness for that. And therefore I haven't been a channel of forgiveness for others. And that would keep me up at night. And so uh, the next thing that Jesus says when he says, I'm sending you out, he says, he talks to them about forgiving sins. He says, you know, the, the, we think back again, this is something that came up early in the story when John looked at Jesus and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the one that has forgiven our sin. We are the messengers of that news to remind people that God has already forgiven their sin. And we sort of appropriate that, we live in that, we receive that news, we share that with one another, that you don't have to carry around guilt and shame because God has forgiven us. And we bring uh, confession into play, and we lay our sins, and we leave our sins at the altar. And it's so so important to have other people involved in that process because just as Jesus showed his wounds to his disciples— because uh, the bodily resurrection is important, having another person say to us, "Peace, be with you, your sins are forgiven, because God has done this work through the cross of Jesus Christ. We hear another person say that, and it resonates with us, and rather than just us praying you know in our own. Uh, time alone praying with God which is important Uh, but when it comes to forgiveness it's really important to have that other person or a group of people who are trusted individuals who can share that news with us uh, on good authority who remind us that uh, we as Christians are are carrying that news uh, to one another and we're carrying that news together so forgiveness and then finally the thing that Jesus uh, comes back to that he reminds them of is that so much of this story has to do, the hope of this story has to do with our ability and our call to believe in Jesus. John even says, hey, the real reason that we that we wrote this story down, the hope is that, that people would believe in Jesus. They would believe in this story and that in believing that they would have life in his name. And this belief language starts early in the gospel in chapter one uh, that he gave uh, all those who would believe he gave them authority he gave them the right to be children of God and that's where we all stand and when we are forgiven people when we hear the announcement of forgiveness it moves us deeper into the work of belief it, it the awareness of our forgiveness deepens our belief as we follow Jesus together And in order to kind of give one last kind of roundhouse kick in the whole concept, the whole invitation to belief, Jesus uh, has this encounter with the disciple Thomas. And John is the only one that tells this story. It's one of my favorite stories. And, you know, we call Thomas, very often we'll refer to him as Doubting Thomas. And there's an element of this story where Thomas is... Doubting. But I think a better descriptor for Thomas when we go through John's gospel is maybe uh, realist Thomas or stubborn Thomas. And uh, that really resonates with me. We see him in chapter 14 when Jesus says, hey, uh, you know, don't be afraid. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I just imagine the other disciples are saying, amen, Lord, that's great. And Thomas says, well, how's that going to work? I mean, what does what's that going to be like Uh, if, if you go away? Like where are you going? We don't know where you're going. He's asking questions. He's prying in. He's wondering about this belief. He's wondering what this looks like, and he's wrestling with it. And Thomas, in his lack of belief early, which results in a great confession of belief my Lord and my God. It's the summary. It's the grand confession of John's gospel. My Lord and my God. It's the confession that John is trying to get us to with our belief in Jesus, where we would all say, my Lord and my God. We would recognize who Jesus is. Well, John, excuse me, Thomas teaches us more about belief through his unbelief and then yielding to a great belief than the disciples do in their belief where they're locked up together. So, and Thomas says early, he says, hey, unless I see the wounds, unless I place my hand in the nail prints, unless I place my hand in Jesus' side, I'm not. I'm not buying this. I'm not believing because I've got to know that this is real. And so Jesus in his goodness appears again about a week later. Uh, John tells a story, it says, eight days later. He, he shows up, and uh, they're shut up again behind closed doors, and this time Thomas is there, and Jesus invites him. He says, see, Thomas, here I am. Uh, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And we don't know whether Thomas takes him up on that or not. Uh, some of us might imagine that he does. Others of us might just say, hey, that was good enough just to see the offer. And either way, Thomas' response is, my Lord and my God. Jesus finishes this out. He responds to Thomas by saying, well, did you believe because you saw? Uh, And he says, I tell you that more blessed are those who will come later, who will believe without seeing than you guys that got to see. And it did bring them gladness, John tells us, for the disciples to see Jesus with their own eyes. And sometimes we wish we could have been there to see Jesus in that way. But somehow, Jesus says, you're more blessed when you haven't seen with your physical eyes and you believe in me. And that's the work that is left to us. We receive these things. We carry these things with us. We receive peace. We receive forgiveness. We begin to believe and we carry those with us into the world where Jesus sends us. I really believe that strong faith We'll build community, and we'll build community in the church, and we will send people out, out of strength. Even with physical distance, we will build community, and we will send people out. Mothers and fathers and friends, take authority from Jesus and go into the world, because the world needs to hear what we most need to receive, peace and forgiveness and belief in a Jesus, in a God who is worthy of our belief, who is worthy of all of our doubts and struggles and our fears and our exclamations. We go in his name. And I see Easter miracles in all of you. I see this work happening. And sometimes it seems like it's slow, like when you plant a seed and it takes days and days for the germination to be visible. The resurrection work happens in this way. And so I would encourage you to keep up the good work and to go in Jesus' name. For he is sending us out of love for us and out of love for the world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.